Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Well, I mean, it could be day or afternoon when you're listening to this or morning, but just welcome to yet another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. With me tonight, I I have a, a person who reached out and said that they were referred to the podcast by, by a connection they had on Reddit, and I, I heard a little bit of his story and decided I had to get him on the show. And so my guest tonight, his name is Ricky Bailey. Ricky, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. Let's let's get things started with the, the very first question that I ask all the guests here, and that's, tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Well, when I was younger, I went through some hard times, different poor choices, and they led to weight gain, and then it just continued basically after high school, but more so after college, some drug use, different things like that. Um, and then I got with my wife six and a half years ago. Uh, I, I wasn't even at my biggest yet. At that point, uh, I still climbed probably a good 80 pounds over the next few years of us being together. And then January 2018, we had a baby. Um, at this point, my wife had already lost 120 plus pounds doing lazy keto. Uh, at the time, the whole time she was doing it, I was not the best person to have around. You know, I thought it was bull crap. I, I didn't think it was going anywhere. I thought it was fake. I, you know, just like everybody else that's a skeptic about it. And even after losing, watching her lose all the weight and seeing what it did for her, I was still a huge skeptic. Um, and then we got pregnant. We had the little boy. Uh, he's two now, just over two. Well, the first six months, he came in January of 2018, and the first six months of him just being able to crawl around and just, just move, I just, I couldn't do anything. Uh, I couldn't tie my shoes, you know, I couldn't, couldn't do any housework, mow my yard, anything. Everything I tried to do was just, I was miserable. So, woe unto me, from basically late January till June, I ate pizza rolls, pizza pockets, anything I could stuff in the microwave and eat while playing video games. So I, I ballooned in that six months and I got up to 450 pounds. And then June 2018, uh, I, I had started a fence company, so I was working outside. And I mean, every day I was, I was sick. It was miserable. I would dry heave. I mean, even prior to this, I had my own autoimmune issues. And those caused issues. But at this point, I was just going downhill really quick. Yeah, I wasn't going to be able to see my child grow up or, or you know, be a husband and a, and a dad, uh, much less a friend or any, anything at this point. It was just all downhill. And so my wife just buckled down and said, this is what you're going to start eating. It doesn't matter. This is what we're going to put in the house. And here we are. And that's when I started lazy. So let, let's go back into it a little bit, like in, in terms of what you really think brought the weight onto you. Like, do you, was it, a? because I know you said, you, you said that there were some other issues involved there, you know, drugs and, and some addiction issues. Like, did that kind of spill over into your food intake or was it more it compounded each other? Like, how do you, how do you think it really kind of came into, to, how did it really develop for you, man? When I, when I got off of them. I just stuffed my face with everything because the ones that I was on, I was like appetite suppressant. So I, I, I was smaller then, so I just got a little bit smaller. And then 
uh, I got injured in college playing rugby. And so I just, you know, did a bunch of uppers. And then when I got off of them, I had to quit cold turkey. And so I just ate instead of anything else. So I started gaining weight. Um, and then I got back on them in 2010, 2011. Um, I got down to 290 was the smallest I had got. And that's why I was on them. And then when I got away from them again, I just loomed up. I never did anything extra. I never paid attention to how I ate. And then that last six months, I really just didn't care at all. Which I think is a common, you know, a, a common thing that you see happen, with, especially when someone's dealing with, you know, a drugs or an alcohol issue or even smoking and, and coming off of those addictions and finding things, you know, kind of fill that space a little bit. And there's no real, you know, there's no real, there's not a, a, a huge amount of like stigma or rules against food or anything along those lines. You know, it's, it's accessible and, you know, not necessarily seen as something that can be, you know, as, as difficult of a problem for people, you know, in, in terms of common perception. So, that, so I think it makes sense that, you know, you kind of move from one, one place to another. I think that those are challenges that can, can travel with us. So it makes sense. Where we're, the way we're taught, you know, from, from the beginning of our lives, you know, uh, from the time you're eating baby food or whatever your parents feed you to having candy, you know, we're having sugar and carbs and, and bad foods from the time that we're old enough to chew. And so we have those our entire lives and then we're taught to eat a certain way our entire lives. So it's very hard to get away from that. And once you start getting a fixation or, or a habit or you know, anything like that, to get away from that. Like I found sunflower seeds work great if you want to break a habit, but that's just taking one habit from another habit. And so it's a habit for all of us. Or, you know, there's stress or you know, if you're trying to quit smoking or it doesn't matter, a bad relationship, you know, a bad day at the gym, it doesn't matter. Any any little stress you'll want to eat because that is a habit we've formed all of our lives. So I think it's really interesting that it wasn't like you know, I've talked to a lot of guys, like especially on the keto side of things, that, you know, discover it themselves and kind of have to go out alone. But but your introduction is different. You know, your wife had some real success, you know, with with the, the lazy form of keto, which for people out there listening that aren't really aware, uh, can you can you tell us what you mean by lazy keto? Well, for us, we don't we don't count calories, we don't count macros. Uh, it's it's really basically whole whole food, no fat, no no sugar. Really simple. You're, you're not doing any math. You're not focused on how many calories you're eating or, or these numbers or those numbers. You're just making it simple. So I, I do want to clarify. So you say you said no no fat and no sugars. No, no carbs, no sugar. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure. I'm like, oh, that this is a new one for me. So that was, oh no, tons of yeah. There, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there's some fat in there somewhere. So that makes sense, man. That makes sense. So you were not right on board. It wasn't, you know, even though you saw her success, you were skeptical. But you kind of hit that, you know, kind of like your your bottom place, and she laid down the law. Like, what was that like for you when you first got started? Well, I gotta say, I had a I had a life hack, I suppose, um, with the downhill spiral that I was already in and how things were, uh, I didn't feel that it could get much worse. So at, at that point, I had to, I could at least try something. This is something I hadn't tried. She had had her own health problems. Like um, her previous pregnancy, she had preeclampsia and 
bed rest for like three months, like all kinds of stuff went wrong. This one, she had no issue. Um, the baby even came out before the doctor was able to get in there and come out. Like, I mean, he was healthy, no issues. He's still healthy. I mean, it's night and day difference from her previous and this pregnancy. So just that in itself should be eye-opening for something. Or it was for me when I finally broke down and looked at it. And so what were the first, what were the real first changes that you started to make? We just cut out carbs and sugar. Um, we pretty much... Uh, we didn't do a low carb. We just went no carb for the most part. Uh, I would eat some sweet potatoes, um, and I was still eating veggies, I suppose, at first. So we we I had the the whole food, low carb, no sugar, where we started. How did your body respond to those changes? Like, what what was that like for you physically? The people that stay, you know, they that they have keto flu, um, and different, you know, different side effects of that nature. I, I believe it. I didn't necessarily go through a lot of that because I was already having stomach issues, a ton of stomach issues. I couldn't eat without the bathroom. So when I went, you know, that adaption to fat for me was every day already. So when I finally got to that point where I just ate and nothing happened, that was mind blowing. No, I've not experienced that in, since I was 16 years old. So that's when I really realized something was better. And then the joint pain started going away. The stomach, I mean, at this, really hard to explain the first parts of it. Because at this point, it's even hard to believe that I lived it or really remember it over the last few years with everything else that's been going on. But um, I didn't really start noticing much until I had lost enough weight that my wife was like, you should stand on this scale. You look like you've lost weight. And I had gone from 415 to 395. And that's when I really started focusing on my body more. Um, up until then, I would, I just, you know, I hadn't, nothing had really changed yet because that was the first month. So my body was still going through all the changes. And uh, in my opinion, also this kind of backtracks with sugar, uh, to us, sugar is a drug as bad as anything else. So part of the keto flu is you're going through withdrawals from sugar. And just about every carb has a sugar. Not all of them. You know, they break down, you know, your good carbs and your bad carbs and everything like that. But uh, most bad carbs have a sugar in it. So even though people say, oh, I don't eat a lot of sugar, you really do. Um, when, it, when you really look into it, if they're eating a lot of carbs, they're generally a lot of sugar, even if they're not just eating sweet. So carbs and sugars kind of go hand in hand, not necessarily. Again, it breaks down to the bad and the good. But um, So when you stop giving your body sugar, a lot of people that have never gone through a withdrawal or didn't realize they were going through a withdrawal are going to withdraw from that sugar. And that that's the keto flu, in my opinion, that on top of the fat adaption. But calling it a keto flu is misleading in my opinion. Did you experience sugar cravings at first? Like, was there an adapt an adaptation period for you for that? I still, I still have cravings um, to this day. I, I mean, it's it's really less if I don't um, go outside of my guidelines. Uh, I don't really call it cheating because at this point, after what I've achieved and what I do and how strict I stay, like a lot of people will call cheating. You know, going to eat cake or something. 
for me, when I treat myself, I'm going to have like sweet potato fries. Um, good solid ones, not some crappy, crappy ones, but you know, something like that. Or, or I might have 80% chocolate or, or, you know, chocolate chaffles or something along those lines. I don't go and, and have a burger with bread or, or anything along those lines or any bad carbs. I pretty much stay away from all the bad carbs even when I treat. So, but even doing it that way, a lot of the time, again, we, we're so used to having sweets in our body, so used to having that, that even for me and probably most people, I mean, even after a year of not having any of those, if you taste the slightest sweet, it's going to easily make you want sweets more you know, frequently. Or if you drink uh, sugar, something sugar-free that's sweetened with sucralose or any type of artificial sweetener, it's going to help that sweet tooth want more. Because you're used to it and your body's used to it, even if you haven't been eating it for a while. So it sounds like how you've eaten has also really evolved over time. Like, how do you describe your, your style of eating now? Carnivore. Uh, I, so during the work week, I eat once a day, usually in the evening with my family, and I'll eat two pounds of meat. Uh, bacon cheeseburgers or like a bacon cheeseburger casserole. Every now and then chicken or fish, but not normally. Uh, maybe once a month, each one. And then when I'm home on the weekends or the training or something, we can't work, I'll eat twice a day or, well, technically, I'll end up munching from noon to six, but uh, I'll intermittent fast, so I won't eat outside of noon to six. But then I'll just eat meat, cheese, uh, salami, things like that. And, and take us into, so, like, you, you talked about going from, you know, from, like, 415 to 395, like, what happened to your weight after that point, after that first month? Like, where, where did you, like, how fast did it come off, and where did you, where did you get to? Take us through that. Well, I averaged probably about ten and a half pounds a month, um, and for for me, going through the process, uh, seeing people say, "Oh, I've plateaued or stalled," uh, I learned that. I would actually go three to five, six weeks, and my weight would not fluctuate. It would stay the exact same or, you know, even go up a couple pounds. And then suddenly within a few days or a week, it would seem like no time at all, I would drop 10, 12, 15 pounds. And, and then I would do it again. So for the next three to five weeks, I would be strict. Um, well, not overly strict, but I have a different terminology for strict than most people. Because uh, I stick to my plan pretty well, um, but I would be my strict, and then uh, you know gain a few pounds, gain five pounds, gain seven pounds, and then bam, I would drop down to ten pounds in my lowest point. Uh, now that so in started June twenty eighteen, I think it was about the first month, month and a half, when I weighed myself again and I was three ninety five. And then from there, it's just been gradual. And I think for my, myself personally, and anybody that sticks to a good plan and their body is doing what it's meant to do, that stall or that plateau is just your body getting healthier. It's, it's healing up that skin. It's doing what it needs to do so that when you lose that weight, so you get to where you need to be, you don't have a lot of fat. Because I'm surprised that I don't have way more fat than I you know, lose skin than I have. For what I've lost, it's tightened up really well, and 
that's why I've come to believe that during those plateau or stall stages, you're not really stalled. Your body's just working on something else for that time. And then once it's done with that, it'll go back to doing, you know, the weight loss. And it's just, it's a process. Just like uh, when you, everything you're doing for yourself, it's, it's a process. It's not an easy process. It's not a simple process. And it takes time. So it's the same thing with your body healing itself, especially when you've been eating or, you know, putting the chemicals and the things in your body for 20, 40, 30, 50 years, 60 years. It takes a lot for your body to correct it. And just the fact that over a few years, your body can correct it is pretty amazing. I want people to know where you're at now. That's what I, you know, what I'm trying to get at there, man. So like, where are you at now? Like, where, where is your, this weight loss taking you to? Because you've done some really, really amazing work. I get off on a tangent in my own head and just start rambling. Oh no! Oh no! About. It's 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 okay. I, but I I don't want us to lose I don't want <laughs> us to lose sight of the fact that like it, yeah, as much as you were talking about you know kind of slow and steady, like you you've come a long way, man. So like let, like when you say you don't have a lot of a lot of flab, it's because you've lost a significant amount of weight. So so let people know. Yeah, I will say so. June of 2018. So it's only been 20, 21, 22 months. Right, twenty months. My mask off a little bit right um, So it'll be 24 months in June. Uh, I've gone from 415. I'm, I'm currently 192. Uh, I again, I don't count micros, calories. Uh, I don't. I don't go to the gym. I don't do any real extracurricular activities other than outside of work. And as far as where I'm at now, I'm probably within 20 pounds of my final goal and. Where I've come from, considering what, you know, struggling to tie my shoes and go to work now, now I can stand on one foot, tie my shoe, and, you know, it's no problem. I, I, don't, I have no breathing issues. Uh, I can go mow my yard, and it's actually kind of enjoyable. I put the earphones in, and I just mow my yard, and I don't have to worry about anything. I never, chores were an issue before. I, and um, now I can, I can go work. 10, 12 hours in the summertime outside and come home and still have energy and be able to play with my kids and do things and, you know, go close the bar down at two, come home, wake up and go to work. Not that I recommend that. And I'm not saying do that by any means, but the fact that I'm able to do that. And you said you don't go to the gym? No, I do not. Do you do any form of activity or is it, because I know it sounds like you've got a pretty physical job. But is there anything that you do incorporate? I know people are want to ask that question. Outside of building fence, which I don't, I don't use that as um, quantifier, I suppose, because there's a lot of people that build fence all over the place, and there's people that work way harder than I do and do more than I do. Uh, since it's my company, I generally only work four to six hours a day. I have a guy that works with me, uh, my partner, and then a guy that works under us. So. It is hard work, but where we've come now, it's not nearly as hard as some people make it out to. Or maybe it just doesn't seem that way to me now. You can see other people that work really hard building fence and get nowhere with as far as losing weight or anything because they continue to eat however they eat. See, you know, even, you know, a lot of physical labor jobs like that. And so, so I don't use that physicalness again as a quantifier. So the only thing I've really done uh is every now and then i'll get really bored and do push-ups and squats but just you know just not with any weights or anything just my own body weight 
Um, and then I'll just mix up some different push-ups, do triangle push-ups, things like that. But nothing on a like day-to-day basis or even a week-to-week. Sometimes I'll go a month without doing anything. Which I, I think is incredible. Like there's, and, and I, I do say that a lot to people that like, you know, losing weight is, is about what you're eating, not necessarily about how you're moving your body. And I think like you're a great example of that because you're, you're less than half the person, you know, less than half the man you used to be. And thinking about this journey you've been on, you know, these past 20 months, like what do you think have been the biggest challenges along the way? M&Ms. The M&Ms have been my biggest challenge. Like, uh, M&Ms are my th- I will be walking down the aisle, see M&Ms, and stop and stare at them for 45 seconds. Just M&Ms. I know that's not what you're asking, but that's... Um, <laughs> hey, it's uh, real, though, man. <laughs> me. Um, uh, it's really hard to say because I went through addiction, and I feel like after coming out on top of that, this was easier. Um, between how my health was going and where I was at, was it going to be better for me to continue down that path or did well did I want to see my kid grow up and I guess when I chose to do it for my family more so than for me because you know I've I've tried the, the how I've tried just about everything to lose weight you know just as anybody else has um you get down on yourself and you want to lose the weight so I tried Darcea, Cambodia this that and everything else and uh, nothing ever really worked so that was all trying it for me. And then obviously I really didn't want to change that much for me. So when he came along and I really realized all of that and realized that I wanted to be around to see him grow up, see him you know, go to school, play sports, whatever he chooses to do, I want to see that. I've got to change something. And everything I have tried hasn't worked. She did this, she's achieved this. I'm going to jump into it. So, I guess, like I said, I guess with, uh, you know, overcoming drugs and, and having, you know, the mentality that I have, and it wasn't easy, but I had more pushing me towards it to keep me turning from my goals than most. So, I guess maybe it made it a little easier. And so, it sounds like it, it, it's almost like also there were lessons that you took through those first battles, you know, that you were able to kind of gain a different perspective on this one. like. It's not like it's it's not like you're coming from that place of someone who battled a weight problem, you know, and a food addiction from the time they were a child, you know, and that was their main issue. Like you you climbed some pretty big mountains, you know, battling battling your other addictions. And so then coming in, it's almost like you you built up some skill to to coming into this other this other challenge. Yeah, that's how I look at it. If, the way I think about it is if this was a video game and mental fortitude was a skill that's what that's built me up for that's that's where i feel that i'm able to achieve what i've achieved just because i've achieved so much so many other things why not now granted when i achieved all the other things i didn't think that way or this way having a baby and starting a business and you know going through this it's all my my perspective on life and how i see things and 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 I'm curious, you know, knowing that you've come through different forms of addiction and, and and battled them and succeeded, what is your perspective on what it takes to to tackle an addiction? Small, well, first thing I think with anything in life is confidence. And I don't mean the confidence that everybody thinks like, oh, I go to the gym and 
I build these muscles to have confidence. No, nah, you're that's a cover confidence. That's like a fake confidence. Um, some people you really do get it, you know, by doing that, but but not really. Um, so when I say confidence, it, you, know, you gotta have confidence in yourself above all other things. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're and this kind of focuses on something I don't like talking about, which is religion. But a lot of people have faith in a higher power, and and again, you know. Do what you're going to do, but you also have to have faith in yourself, which is also going to lead to confidence in yourself. And if you have no confidence in yourself, you're not gonna you're not gonna achieve anything because you're not confident that you can achieve it. Um, it, it kind of breaks down to where people are um, in society now. How many people start their own business successfully? Not necessarily because they can't. But because for whatever reason, they lack the confidence to even try because they think they'll fail. And so that lack of confidence keeps people from even trying anything. Or maybe it's the person that starts a project or starts something and tries, but just bounces off to something else and never sticks with it. It's the same thing with this or battling any sort of addiction. And, and going keto or carnivore, you're definitely battling addictions, whether that's how you choose to see it or not. I recommend seeing it that way because once you start seeing it as an addiction, you treat it a little bit differently. I, I'm curious to, you know, to, to dig into that a little bit. Like, what do you think, like how, what's the best way to phrase this? Like, what do you think the steps that a person needs to take to build that confidence? Like if they don't have it, like how do you think a person goes about finding that? Or how did you go about finding that confidence? Um, I've had a bit of confidence retained from when I was younger, uh, and played sports and even, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a little bit of a bar hopper and I've never, even when I was bigger, I never really had an issue, you know, going on dates or anything. So, um, my confidence was never shattered to a point that, well, I guess maybe it was after I got with my wife because I wasn't quite doing the same things. And. You know, some things got rocky between us and whatnot. So I guess that could have knocked it down. Um, but to get started, it, it really depends on each individual person. Um, and you'd almost need a 45-minute to an hour conversation with them just to even know where they start because we're all in place mentally, um, depending on what we eat or what we drink, how we exercise, where our hormones are, you know, where our depression level is. So our conversation today might be completely different than tomorrow. And so for me, you really got to get to the very basics and build from the ground up. So based on that conversation, you would get a starting point and then you could start with there. So if they have a hard time getting up and going to walk around the block and start with that as goal number one, make that your first easy step. Just get up, go walk around the block. Uh, if you're having trouble cutting out soda or something like that, you know, start with a very simple, easy, something you can achieve, a very simple goal. If you're having four sodas a day, knock it down to three uh, or, you know, whatever the number may be. And then for some people, they're in a different space in their life where they can quit co everything cold turkey. Oh, you want me to cut out sugars and, and carbs? Fine. No more. They can go through that little phase and stick it out because... They have faith and confidence that the end is going to be what they want to achieve. But those people are, are far fewer than the other people. So that's, I think, a little bit more in-depth about it than what 
So now you're 20 months into this journey. So like one of the things that it seems has come out of what you've been doing is is a consistency. Like how what do you think it takes to stay focused for that long? Because knowing, you know, the amount of weight you wanted to lose and that you have lost, you know, is not an overnight journey. Like, what do you think contributes to being able to be consistent for 20 months? A big part of that for me was the, the joint pain. Um, so I have uh, autoimmune issues, um, Crohn's or very close to Crohn's and um, inflammatory foods really affect me. So I can eat a jalapeno and gain 12 to 15 pounds within a few hours. Not necessarily that you see it on me, but you would see it on the scale. Uh, so when I eat things like that, I get really achy, my joints hurt, my stomach gets inflamed to where you know, just using the restroom is uncomfortable. Uh, and then depending on certain veggies that I can eat, my nerves will fire off and it's just really uncomfortable to even cover it with a sheet. With, with these things that I've learned from eating these foods based on my health, it's made it pretty easy to be consistent because I've learned that, oh, if I eat this, this is how I'm going to feel tomorrow. Do I want to feel this way tomorrow or not? And usually I go with not. Well, yeah, it sounds like you've got some some real, it's not just, you know, the psychological side of things, but you've got some real almost immediate physical deterrence that help kind of keep your track, you know, go, keep you going on that track because you go off, you know what the consequences are going to be. Yes. And, and honestly, in my opinion, I think more people... Um, are carb sensitive, even though people want to say carb sensitivity is fake or not a real thing. Uh, I believe it is just as much as diabetes is because, um, you know, diabetes has been tested for, there's a lot of research into it. Uh, but how do you get rid of or how do you not have diabetes symptoms? You could eat sugar. Well, for those that don't have diabetes, but we've been eating carbs our whole lives. Um, since World War World War Two is really when bread, uh, potato, and beans became primary, you know, food because it was easy to ration. It was easy. To, so a lot of our science and everything, um, you know, the American Standard Diet and a lot of our, our biology and everything has been formed in the last 60, 70 years off of subjects that are full of carbs and sugar. You know, most of them studies, there was no keto, there was no carnivore, um, even uh, what's the paleo or whatever the other one is. You know, even those were early 90s or 80s-ish and still didn't take real big shape. They haven't been a big thing. So, again, this is my opinion, and I feel strong about this, but I feel like most of our science is flawed based on the fact that most people aren't meant to eat carbs. You know, a lot of, um, you, you hear, hear stories and people talk about how, oh, I was supposed to have surgery on this joint, then I went on a carnivore or keto, and now the pain's gone and I don't even need the surgery. There's rhythmatoid arthritis, arthritis, that is all inflamed with inflammatory foods, but nobody really pushes that. And that's why we've gone carnivore. And like even uh, my partner that we work together, he's lost 80 pounds doing this. He's more carnivore now, he, but he first started off just like we did, uh, kind of lazy keto. But now when he veers away from carnivore, he can tell the differences. Like, you're like, oh, my knee hasn't hurt in two weeks, and now it's hurting because I ate this. 
Um, and I can do the same thing with not just my knees. Like I've got uh, a disc in my back that hurt for years and years and years. And now it pretty much only hurts when I eat something I shouldn't because it, it, it inflames around it. My knees, ankles, my nerves fire. And that's all based on foods that if I don't eat, I do not have those issues. But this, I'm not going to really find a lot of research on this because well, it's, it's just not there. And now with all the science based on a particular thing, and as conspiracy theories as this may sound, you know, nobody makes money off of a spilling. Right. When you're telling people to eat, you know, whole foods or even just to eat meat, like, it's hard to package that. You can't really put that in a box and, and sell that to people. It's it's a little bit harder to put together. You know, these people are going to school paying thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for, a med, you know, something medical, nutritionist, whatever it may be. And basic biology tells you you want to burn carbs for energy. I mean, that's in every biology book everywhere. Well, pretty, you know, basically, uh, I've had an argument with He's going, he's, right now, he's becoming a biology major, and then he plans on doing physical therapy, I think is what it was. But that's what they're teaching him right now in school. And I'm just like, you know, we'll just have to agree to disagree, because I know what those are doing to me. And maybe not everybody reacts the same way, but just because we don't react that way doesn't mean it's not doing anything. I think that makes sense, man. Like, it, and, it, and it's good that you're able to identify what that is doing to you. Like, it, it, I think a lot of times people don't, even kind of dive into how different foods are affecting them. So it's good to figure that out. And so I know like I, when I've talked, there's a lot of people that I've talked to like about, you know, eliminating different foods and pieces along those lines. And it's almost like you have to get people to realize that we live in such an inflamed state most of the time that we don't realize what it's like until it's gone. And then it's gone. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize that I wasn't feeling that great. Like I have so much more energy now or, you know, it shouldn't hurt to move my knees. You know, it shouldn't hurt to do X, Y, and Z. Like, I just accepted that was my normal. I, yes, and I need to, um, I really wish I had the time to break down with my son because uh, it is insane with him. If, he eats, stick, if we stick him with carnivore, he looks like a nice, I mean, just a healthy little child, like just amazing. Um, we could give him, you know, a handful of chips. And he will balloon. He's like a little butterball within two hours. I mean, it's, it's just, is that even the same kid? Like, I call it Chinians because every time somebody gives him something, they know how we eat. They know that we don't like to feed him that. But he's a kid, and every now and then, you know, we let him have it. And, uh, but I just call him Chinian foods because after he eats them, he gets two or three chins. See him, he has nothing, and then he'll eat them. Two hours later, he's got two or three chins, or you know, the next morning, or anything like that. And if we're not careful, uh, he will get an ear infection based on carbs. And it makes sense because I had tubes multiple times when I was a kid. Never really, you know, thought two and two or put them together. But now with that happening to him, kind of makes sense. And then even um, like uh, earwax, um, flaky skin, dry scalp. Um, when I really cut out all the carbs, a lot of that went away. Um, body odor. You know, I work outside all day, and you know, a lot of people might freak out about this right now, but I haven't used soap on my body in a year and a half. Uh, let's say a year, about a year. Um, I just scrub it. I just scrub down. I have no, as long as I don't veer away, I have no body odor, no distinct, you know, odors or stenches or anything like that. Well, I think you're right. That's, that's something people will get nervous about right now. 
but it's good for you to know like it make, it makes sense that that's something you can figure out and it's good that you can pay attention you know what's going on with your son like to have that awareness of, of how different foods can affect him like one of the things you mentioned earlier was that you're you're in the neighborhood of of 20 pounds from where you want to be in the end so w- what comes next for you like you, you you've taken us through kind of like your journey to this point like where do you where, what comes next for you like how do you get to that point um i'm just sticking with what i've been doing uh i'm I think I'll be there by the 24-month mark because I'm 192 pounds now, and I'm really getting to where basically just loose skin left. There's hardly even any fat in it. And I don't really know how much skin weighs. I think about it all the time when I'm playing with it, but I don't, you know, I don't really know. Um, so I, I'm trying to go by percentages, but we have a scale that we bought at Target for whatever, and it's supposed to be a smart scale, so who knows how... You know, accurate it is, but when I first started losing weight, I thought 280 was a realistic goal, and that I would even have a hard time getting there. So once I blew past 280, I was just astounded. So I just kept going and going, and I, and I didn't think I would get to where I'm at now. And so I'm at, I want to say like 15.2%, 15.5% body fat, something like that, and my goal is to get under 12. So once I hit 12, I will hit my final target, and anything underneath that is just going to be where I end up hitting. Um, and I have no intention of changing our style or lifestyle or how we move once I reach my goal. We're going to continue to be carnivores until, uh, well, I will until the day I you know, move on from this life, and my kids will until they Looking at where you've come from, you know, what your life was like then, what are the things that you look forward to doing now? Like, what are the what are the things that get you excited about your life the way it is now? Uh, everything, really. The only, uh, the only thing that doesn't really excite me these days is I only sleep two, three, four hours a night, maybe five, I'm lucky, sometimes six-ish. But uh, if, if I go to sleep before 10 or 11 o'clock, I'll be up at three, and there's just not really any advice. Uh, and that's probably the only real negative to that that question because as far as everything else goes you know I, I get up out of bed i have no problem sitting up and that used to be an issue i sit on the couch cross-legged that never happened and i'm able to push myself up on the couch or play in the floor with my kids and get up and my kids can ride on my back like horse you know and, and this is all things that they could do but it would be uncomfortable and now it's not it's enjoyable there's no I don't go out and play with it. I'm like, oh, this hurts. I threw the ball one time and now my arm hurts. It's like, oh, I threw that too hard. My arm hurts, but it'll be okay because it doesn't hurt that bad. And by in the morning, it's going to be gone. So just just everything. I mean, every aspect of it. Um, and I don't know how personal you want to get, but even you know the, the man aspect of it. I am I am far more than I than I ever have been before, and I mean it's just it's insane. Uh, my energy level. Austria. I mean, it's also the rule. Unbelievable. Oh, I, I think there's a lot of guys listening that will want to hear that, man. You know, as a, as a possible side effect of the journey. Like, I think that's a, a good thing for people to hear and to know that that, that happens. Um, and, Ricky, we've talked to. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Well, make, what makes it hard on that level is um, going back towards science and what science has done and, and, and dietitians and nutritionists. And, so, Testosterone comes directly from cholesterol, and 
when you have a carb or actually it's more sugar heavy when you have a sugar heavy diet um in your bloodstream that causes you to produce uh ldl or low density cholesterol lcl <clears throat> and then if you are not eating high sugar then you produce so no matter what you're going to produce cholesterol now it just depends on how much red meat you're going to eat or how much fat you're going to eat how much cholesterol you have how high it goes and the higher hdl you have higher high density high density is like a little bb it goes through your bloodstream it just knocks everything off you know it keeps things flowing like it should and so if your cholesterol is high and it's a healthy cholesterol that's going to help you testosterone when you're really sugary your low density is more like a net so it's getting snagged on everything it's just moving really slow and sluggish and a big part of the energy booster change comes when your sugar levels start dropping in your blood and your blood flow will increase and it just kind of gets everything else moving forward. Based on what my wife has looked into and, and all the research that she's done and what we've looked into, that's what, in my opinion, why my testosterone is climbing so high. Um, and it's not just me, uh, my buddy who's done the same thing, he's in the same boat. Well, there you go. That's, a, that's that's like another good side effect, man. So, Ricky, having talked about your journey, kind of like where you were at and where you what you've come through and the, and the different things you face, like, are there any facets of your journey that you wanted to talk about tonight that we haven't been able to cover? Not necessarily. Not really. Um, and uh, uh, most of uh, on the broad subject, just about everything was covered. Uh, everything could be I could go into more detail, obviously, but most of it. And what I, I get coming to kind of the before we get to what are my traditional wrap up questions. So I, I want to kind of give you a chance to say, like, what what do you think are the biggest takeaways from your journey that you would want to share with the people that are listening? There's not any one takeaway. It's 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 all of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole quality of life thing. Um, as you were saying earlier, you know, most of us, actually all of us that haven't changed how we eat. We live in a, a very inflamed state, and nobody realizes. Uh, you know, we've been we've been eating this way, as I brought up uh, little Ricky. You know, we can see how inflamed he gets so quickly over little things, and it's not just him; it's a lot of you know, a lot, a lot of us, a lot of people. So, if it was happening at that age, at that stage, then we've been doing that to our our bodies for our entire lives. So, 20, 30, 40 years of living inflamed. You don't realize it. You don't know it. You, and you're not going to until that inflammation is gone, as you said. And so once that inflammation is gone, and it's not just your joints. Um, it's not just your gut, your Crohn's. You know, if you eat the wrong thing, you're out, your gut's always hurting. It's, it's your brain as well. It's your veins. It's your muscles. I mean, it's, it's everything. And so, you know, they want to have all these depression medicines and and I've even seen how my depression has fluctuated. Whereas if I'm sticking with what I'm meant to do, I, I don't get depressed. I don't really have spikes in my mood. They, they, they stay pretty solid. Now, you watch me eat a handful of M&Ms, and I get to become one of the pissiest sons of bitches you love me. Excuse my language. Um, but that's just where it's at. So that inflammation, we don't realize it, it causes inflammation in the brain, spinal cord, all kinds of things. So... We're on these inflammatory heavy foods with nobody talking about the inflammatory. And so we don't know, you know, what 
that inflammation causes because it's not really been studied. And nobody wants to tell you you're eating inflammatory foods. So my biggest takeaway is everything. My whole quality of life has changed for the better. There's not one, I can't say that the weight loss has been better than anything because they've all been hand in hand. The weight loss has helped the joint pain. The joint pain has helped, you know, it's just, it all kind of goes hand in hand and it starts with the smallest thing and it goes to the biggest thing. They all work together and when they're all working together, the quality of life is just night and day. I like it, man. And if anyone out there listening, Ricky, wants to uh, talk to you about any of these topics, you know, or reach out, how, where can they connect with you? Um, I don't really use a whole lot of social platforms. I guess I got Reddit and um, Facebook, I suppose. But uh, my whole, where I'm at now is just I wanted to build a platform. I want to get something started. I want to be able to help others do what I've done. So uh, I don't know. I'll make something. And obviously, when when you get that together, you know, we can make sure we give you a push for that, so people can track you down and find that that resource. I think that'll be a good thing. Ricky, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready to go through them? I suppose I am, yes, sir. Okay, here we go. So question number one, living or dead, Ricky, tell us who is your favorite fat guy? Louis Black. There we go. Louis Black, the comedian, right? Question number two, Ricky, thinking back to your bigger days, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? Anything that would heat up in 45 seconds or less than the night. No, you were saying those were those were the things that you targeted. So I think that makes that makes yeah. a lot of sense. There wasn't one. There was uh, let's just grab this, this, and this. It all goes in the microwave. It's done in about a minute. While I'm eating this, this one's cooking in that minute. So <laughs> there you there you go there you go. Question number three. So Ricky, say there's someone out there who's who's a, a guy out there listening who's looking to get his journey started. What is your number one piece of advice? Simplicity. Um, you don't get it over your head. I mean, it's already, life is hard enough, you know, with our jobs, our families, our taxes, and everything else that they, they ring out of us. So making this kind of change, it's already going to be hard. It's, it's already, you know, you're changing what you've been told your entire life. So don't make it any harder. Um, don't necessarily listen to your friends or the outside noise or your family. Um, if they're against you doing this for your health, don't don't listen to any of that. That's just going to make it harder. And start. Be real with yourself. Be realistic. Look back at what you've done or tried to do in your weight loss journey before, and don't do the same thing. You set this goal and didn't achieve that goal, and don't set that goal again. Set. Uh, an easier or more simple goal. Like I was saying earlier, you know, you have to start breaking down from one soda, from three sodas to two sodas, or getting up and roll, walking around the block, or taking the trash outside. Start with easy, simple goals and build up your confidence, and build up where you're going, and then continue. You know, use building blocks. Let's, let's start with Legos and then go to linking logs and then go to cement blocks. And, you know, you start small, work your way up. If you jump in over your head, that's where most people, that's, they stop. That's why they don't make it. They take on too big of a bite, too big of a challenge. And, and they're not ready for it. And so people need to start where they're ready. I think that makes sense, man. Question number four. What 
book, podcast, movie, TV show, influencer, speaker, would you recommend to someone that is looking for motivation? That's a good question. I can't say that I know anybody off the right offhand for motivation. I mean, I know educational, uh, different places for that. But. Well, sure. If, you, if you've got a resource you're thinking about, definitely you can share it. Well, um, I don't know if he's been brought up or, or if he's ever been up, but Dr. Ken Berry, uh, my wife watches a lot. It's way more educational, and he started off, uh, he was an overweight doctor, and he still is. Mm-hmm. And he's gone carnivore now. He's pretty much full carnivore. Uh, they just had a baby, and he's been on his journey less than my wife has. But with him being a medical doctor, he's got a, he's got the background to kind of not kind of obvious. He's got the background to say some of the things that I've said, or, or some of the things that you may hear from a carnivore or keto. But he's got, for what matters for most people, you know, he's got that degree that they want to listen to. That's what they've been listening to their life. So, um, and he does weekly live weekly shows, um, and he, he's very interactive with the people that are watching it. So he can ask them questions and things like that, and he'll always. You know, answer things. So, when it comes to anything medical-wise, you would be a great source to be able to look into. Great, I think Ken's a great guy. So he is definitely someone that people who, especially if they're interested in the keto carnivore side of things, to check him out. Uh, I know he's prolific on YouTube, and he's got a great presence on Instagram as well. I don't. Know, my wife, my wife watches him all the time. Oh, sure. He's he puts out. He's got so much content out there. Like. It's almost like any question you could have about these topics, like do a search of him on YouTube and he probably has a video talking about it. Like he's got so much out there. Yes, he does. He's great. He's, he's great. So question number five, last question of the night for you, Ricky, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not weight loss, health or fitness related? Um, just build my business, get more, more financially set. Um, get a good basis for my, I guess my next, my future plans for moving forward. There you go, man. I think that's a great goal. So I wish you the best of luck with that as in this coming year. And I also have no doubt that you're going to hit those those health goals that you have, you know, for the next couple of months as well. It sounds like you're you're on the track you need to be on. So that's really awesome, man. So Ricky, I want to say thank you for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate you sharing your story with the Fat Guy Forum audience. So everyone out there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Please, my friends, remember to go out there and do something to amaze yourself today because you are amazing people. And then come on back and catch us again on the Fat Guy Forum real soon.